You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Sarah. And today we are going to cover a case of a missing woman from 1981. And this is actually a case that we have mentioned very briefly in passing before um, when we talked about the case of Penny Doe. And we'll kind of give you a refresher of what that was later when we get down into the theories. But when I saw this name pop up, I texted uh, Grace and Chelsea and I was like, Guys, this name is so familiar. Did we cover this? And I scoured our blog. I went through like our episode list, couldn't find anything, and actually went on to Web Sleuths and found a comment on Web Sleuths that reminded me that we had talked about this person's name in conjunction with the Penny Doe case. So then I went to our document from Penny Doe and found kind of the details of what we've talked about. But um, without further ado, we are talking today about the case of Michelle Redenbach. Sorry to interrupt, but it's just interesting because I'm pretty sure it might have been one of Chelsea's cases just a few episodes ago. That was also mentioned um, in conjunction with Penny Doe because I remember giving like a little bit of a synopsis. So that's interesting. Which case that was? Oh God, me either. (laughs) But But I just remember mentioning it. So that's interesting. This is what you get for a uh, novice podcasters that have 7,000 things going on in their lives. <laughs> we remember the details, just not every single one of them. Exactly. But we are, like I said, talking about Michelle Reidenbach. Um, I think I said Redenbach before. I'm going by German pronunciation and saying this is Reidenbach. And she did go by the name Shelly. So I will be calling her Shelly throughout this Uh, episode. But Shelly was a senior at Seneca Valley High School, which is in Western PA in 1981. It's still in Western PA. She was just a senior in 1981. That was a poorly worded sentence. She was known to be very responsible. She was extremely family oriented to the point where she actually wrote multiple essays throughout high school that all related to her love for her family, which is just absolutely sweet. Because I was not writing essays about my love for my family when I was in high school. And I did love my family. I just wasn't writing essays about it. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, because she loved them so much, she was in near constant communication with them, which is really saying something for 1981. I mean, you didn't have an iPhone or smartphone that, you know, you could put Life 360 on and see where someone was all the time or text at every, you know, stop on the highway to get fuel to text an update or anything like that. Yeah. So to be known for that near constant communication in a world before smartphones and really even cell phones. I mean, you know, bag phones were a thing, but, you know, not putting a phone in your pocket and walking around with it all day sort of thing. She was also described as being very friendly. And after graduation, she was preparing to take secretarial classes at the Bradford School, um, which I thought was pretty interesting because I know we've talked about secretarial classes before for some other cases. And I know the cases we've talked about before were in like the 50s and 60s, but I thought it was 
interesting that they still had the secretarial classes in the 80s. I don't know why in my brain it just like stopped in the 60s and 70s, but I am I'm a baby, so I can't even fathom the 80s. I I kind of um, think that when you think of like stereotypical secretary, I kind of think of like the 50s, too, even though. Right. They existed in other decades. Well, like, obviously, secretaries still exist. Like, my sister-in-law has a secretarial position, but she didn't take secretarial classes. Sure. Like, it was just, you know, she has her high school education. She has her college degree. And, you know, she just is choosing to work as as a secretary in, in these businesses. So, I don't know. Just very interesting that that popped up for the 80s. And she was also going to take these secretarial classes with her best friend, Kim, who will come up a couple times as we go through the story as well. Um, She was also known to be a chain smoker who would take literally any opportunity she could to grab a cigarette. And I only mention this because it comes up in one of the theories and I didn't want to forget it by the time I got to that theory because my brain tends to forget things. So um, she was a chain smoker, always had a pack of cigarettes on her. And if she was walking outside for anything, she was very likely to have a cigarette with her um, for that nicotine fix. She did have a boyfriend. Their relationship was considered very stable. They were steady in their relationship. They really had no known issues, you know, at least for a high school relationship. I'm sure they had their little tiffs and whatnot, but, you know, nothing like cheating on each other, breaking up and getting back together all the time, trust issues, nothing like that that you typically would see in high school relationships. She had zero problems in school. She was a great student. She was very excited for her senior year, which she was in at that time. So this all takes place on September 22nd and the days following. So September 22nd itself was the day that Michelle was supposed to be getting her senior portrait taken. So Shelly woke up that morning just feeling really crummy. I always get those like fall allergy sicknesses that kind of feel like a mix of a cold and sinus infection sort of deal. I get them. You just want to Every time the season changes. (laughs) Yep. And of course, September 22nd is right there in the autumnal equinox. So, you know, you're right at that um, season's changing point. So, yeah, I'm with you. And I'm sure that's exactly what Shelly was feeling, too. So she woke up feeling pretty crummy, but she was like, you know what? I have to work tonight and I could call off, but I do have my senior portrait today. So I'm just going to kind of force myself awake. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to push myself through school. And I mean, honestly, relatable because I wake up feeling crummy a lot with those allergy things. Mm -hmm. And if you just kind of wake up and push yourself through, you usually end up feeling a lot better midway through the day. So... That's what she decided to do. Um, She just woke up, got ready, went to school. And um, after she went to school, she did go to her portrait session, which was scheduled for three o'clock. And then she went over to her job at Mel Den's Appliance Store, which was in Zelianople, PA. I have Um, never heard of that town ever. So shout out to my friend, Shelly, who... Uh, lives in this area, which is actually why I reached out to her. Seneca Valley is a local school to her. Um, There's a whole bunch of schools in that area. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, 
you have talked about this school district before. Tell me about this area. And so, you know, we kind of talked a little bit back and forth. And I had to ask her, I was like, it looks like Zelianople. And I know that's wrong, but I can't figure out why that's wrong. I was like, I know it's not Zelianople. Like, I know that there's something different in there. And she was like, it's Zelianople. So <laughs> if anyone wants to yell at me for my pronunciation, it's Shelly's fault. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so shout out to Shelly for some help with some of this information. Uh, please don't go after her if I said Zelianople wrong, because it's legit my fault, not hers. <laughs> anyway, so Shelly from the case um worked at Meldens with her friend Kim which is the same Kim that I mentioned before that she was planning to go to take secretarial classes with after graduation but when Shelly got to work that day she was told that Kim wasn't feeling well and had called off and like doesn't that kind of suck like you don't feel well, but you're like, I got to push myself. It'll be fine. You know, I'll have my coworkers, so I don't need to, you know, be 100%. And then you get in and it's like, oh, no, they're sick. You do have to be 100%. Like, yep. Dang it. <laughs> and no fault at all to Kim. I mean, I totally get it. She just was not well enough to work. I'm not at all saying that she should have pushed through the way Shelly did. I don't know the details of Kim's illness. Maybe she was significantly more sick. Her body reacted differently to things, you know, not at all putting blame there. But man, that just kind of sucks. <laughs> like thinking back to I all my years being in retail. Yes, yes, I was just thinking like retail specifically and if you're I feel like I entered the realm of retail in like 2010. And that's when people really start like businesses really started cutting back on like hours and everyone has been short staffed since then. I feel like so working in that yeah. environment already being short staffed, you don't feel well. Someone else has called out. It is. Yeah. Rough. <laughs> yeah. Now she was not in sales at the appliance store. Oh, good. But she was, she did advertisements and, oh, I should have written this down. She did two things for them. So she was still like out on the sales floor and would interact with customers if she had to. But her primary job was working with advertisements. Was she like a visual merchandiser? Kind of like putting up like signs? For advertising? She addressed envelopes and wrote advertisements. Okay. Gotcha. So she was, I guess, kind of more of the, not PR side, but, you know, she was sending things out. She was kind of taking care of some of those office jobs, I guess, which then makes sense because she wanted to go to secretary yeah. school. Mm -hmm. So it makes a lot of sense that that's what she was doing there. But a little bit before 4.30 that afternoon, Shelly called Kim just to check in on her to be a good friend. You know, hey, I know you're not here. Are you okay? Is there anything I can bring you after work? Is there, you know, the typical thing that you would, you know, call or, you know, today text a friend and just check in on them when you know they're not doing well. I don't know if they um, called out and left me a retail store to well, uh, knowing that I'd be they like, were hey, good friends outside of work. I won't make Darren add the dolphin noises, but there's something specific <laughs> I would probably say. If, if it was someone I was not friends with, 
than yes dolphin noises oh no especially um, if i was friends with them i'd be like hey screw you also how are you feeling (laughs) okay see but you still throw the how are you feeling at the end there so but they talked for just a little bit and then shelly was like yo i can't do this i need some cold meds and uh mel dens was in like a shopping plaza and there was a rite aid in the shopping plaza as well and a large grocery store nice so she hung up the phone with kim told her boss like hey i'm gonna run over to rite aid i need to get you know dayquil whatever not a sponsorship just cold meds and she ended up seeing her brother in the parking lot on the way over. He also worked in that same plaza, so not unusual for her to run into him. Went over to the Rite Aid, got the cold meds, paid for them, and that was all confirmed by the clerk at Rite Aid as well. So she was in there 4.30-ish, and... I never saw anything if they pulled actual like data or timestamps from anything. So there wasn't an exact time, but every single story that was told lined up with 430 without, you know, it's not like her boss was able to talk to her brother who spoke to Kim, who spoke to the person at the pharmacy. Sure. Like all four of them had the same time frames. So we're going with about 430. She got the medication. Now... There was an eyewitness account that claimed to have seen Shelly talking to someone in a red car either before or after she went into the pharmacy, but nothing further ever came from that. There was nobody else that a specific red car stood out to them. You know, I mean, I see red cars in parking lots all the time, but not in a way that I would ever report to police for anything now that was according to most of the articles i found and the book that i read uh, well the book chapter that i read i did find one article that said it was her boss that saw her talking to someone in the red car and that he saw them talking after she had gone to the pharmacy but like i said that was just one source everything else i found said it could have been before or after and it didn't name who had seen her so i want to just believe that it is the boss and he saw her on the way out but it was only reported that way in one article so it's kind of a gray area i'm not 100 percent sure on that specific detail after that moment nobody claims to have seen her anywhere Like, she literally vanished out of thin air in the middle of a work shift on a weeknight evening in a shopping plaza. That's gives me the chills. Right. Like, that just... That's what kind of drew me to this when I was looking at some summaries of a case to pull up. Um, And I think her name just came up. I did, like, went to PA Crime Stopper's website, Mm -hmm. and it was just one of the first ones that popped up, and I read the summary... I was like, how do you vanish out of thin air? And so, yeah, that little detail is is really what prompted me to, to look into this one. Now, of course, she was in high school. She was a senior in high school. So she was still, you know, considered a minor. And she wasn't immediately suspected to be missing because police did say she may be a runaway. However, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Before police even could consider her to be a runaway, it took 11 hours for anyone to realize she was missing. And it really boils down to three separate things. 
and it makes a lot of sense to me. So hear me out. First of all, we know she was not feeling well. She had left to go get cold medicine and she had a reason for leaving the store. Uh, She had just spoken to her friend and her boss and her brother, like saw her brother in the parking lot on the way over and, you know, kind of chat, chit chatted a little bit back and forth. And the combination of those three things, just knowing she wasn't feeling well, knowing that she was going to the store, had permission to go across to the pharmacy, and people knew where she was and saw her in the pharmacy, and then that she had spoken to those people really caused this 11-hour time lapse of not knowing where she was. Because when she went to go get the medication and didn't return, her boss assumed that she just got really sick and left and went home. Her purse and cigarettes and school stuff were all still at work, so that part's a little like, what? But she did have her own workspace and her own desk area. So it's quite possible that she just left that stuff there and he didn't think of it and just kind of thought she has a shift tomorrow. Maybe she's just going to come back in and get it tomorrow. You know, it's not like today where we have our iPhones. We have, you know, a thousand things we carry with us all the time that you would never leave behind. Like, She probably had other cigarettes somewhere else. Sure. That's really the biggest thing that her friends are saying. Like, it doesn't make sense that she left her cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk about that more as we keep going. Girl, don't chain smoke when you have a cold. Well, and so that was also a thought is maybe she wasn't smoking that day. But A, she had the cigarettes with her. So, you know, she probably was smoking that day. Yeah. And B, there were witnesses that had seen her smoking earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So... You know, the thought is she would have taken her cigarettes, but if you're a chain smoker, you also most likely have more than one pack of cigarettes. Mm -hmm. So it's possible she just had another pack at home. So the thought was, you know, maybe she just got really sick, went home, took a ride from whoever was in that red car. Maybe it was a, the thought was maybe she called a friend and just left, whatever. No one saw her get into the car, but it's just kind of this thought that, You know, maybe she just got sick and went home. So her boss is like, whatever, it's fine. I'm just going to leave her stuff at her station. She'll probably come back tomorrow or the next day to get it. No biggie. Like I said, he knew she wasn't feeling well. And, you know, Kim, the other employee, was also off that day for an illness. So maybe they both had not a cold and one of them was sick and just spread the sickness to the other. So, you know, it would make sense if she just wasn't feeling well and went home. Mm Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, her mom was at home, and when she didn't come home from work at her normal time, her mom just said, oh, you know what, sometimes she stays late to work on a project, if there's a lot of ads to be written, whatever, you know, she'll stay just to get it done. So she had done that before, didn't really throw her mom off too much until her brother got home. Now, her brother was supposed to pick her up from work, and when he got to... Melden's and he didn't see her there and she didn't come out. He just assumed that she had either met up with friends and forgot to tell him or had gotten a ride home from someone else again because she wasn't feeling well. So there were no details about whether he tried to talk to her boss. I don't know if maybe at that point the boss had left and so there was just really no one to talk to at the store that would know where she was or 
you know, it doesn't go into any of those details, but he basically just said, you know, she probably got a ride from someone else and is either out with friends or just went home early. And then she also had plans that night to meet up with her boyfriend and he said she didn't call him at all, but whenever she didn't show up to their meeting place, he just assumed either she wasn't feeling well and fell asleep, which, you know, fair. And again, you don't have a cell phone to just send a quick text and say, you know, hey, not feeling great. I think I'm about to fall asleep. Can we meet up tomorrow? Like, if you fall asleep, you just fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know send that message and he said you know maybe she fell asleep maybe she just went home maybe she decided to meet up with friends she was very social so it wasn't until all of these people then got to speak to one another that they realized they were all putting her with someone else but all of those someone else's were not with her yeah so there was that kind of 11 hour waiting period i don't even know what to call it but really does make sense because everyone thought she was just with someone else. Yeah, it does make sense. And especially like even if some of those people were kind of uneasy and like, huh, that's kind of weird that she didn't contact us. I mean, you wouldn't just necessarily assume that something terrible happened and call the police or you would just tell yourself a different story. So I think it makes absolute sense. And You know, it's 81. They're not listening to all this true crime. They don't just automatically assume something terrible happened. I mean, right. It makes sense. You know, even me, I think of like friends that I text who I know, especially if they're not feeling well, whether it be like physical illness or just mental health struggles. I mean, if I text someone and don't hear back, my immediate reaction is surprisingly not oh my gosh they've been kidnapped or abducted or are missing um i mean especially like i think of my friend trish who i've talked about before um she's one that won't text me back for hours and then i'll get a facebook message that says hey i don't know where my phone is if you texted me i'll text you back when i find it it's somewhere in the house i just don't know where so like part of it too is that you know, she might go MIA for a couple hours, but then it's like, I'll get a Facebook message when she's on her laptop and, you know, she'll say like, hey, I'm alive. I just don't know where my phone is right now. That sounds like Which, me. <laughs> in a house with four dogs, I would lose my phone all the time, too. So very fair. And also, yes, you. But I wasn't going to call you out. I, but I, I appreciate it, now, but I'll call me out. out. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, and on that note, fun story that we can cut or keep. I don't really care. Um, When I messaged the group this morning and you responded, I was for listeners, if we keep this in, Grace's husband is at my house for the weekend. My husband and I just got back from vacation. So um, I made a comment about like, oh, I just, you know, messaged Chelsea and Grace. And I said, Grace responded right away. And Ben was like, it's not even 10 o'clock yet. She's awake. And I was like, well, okay. I All thought right. about so. that. And I was like, he's going to be really surprised <laughs> that, I, that I responded. But like I was telling you earlier, I slept like all day yesterday. So I woke up. That's fair. At like 830 this morning, which is super early for me. <laughs> so. 
Relatable. Relatable. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, that got way off track. But yeah, so um, if I'm not responding, I've lost my phone or I'm sleeping 90% yeah. of the time. <laughs> right. So even even for people who, you know, we talk true crime constantly and it's not even, you know, the first thought. That's true. In my mind. That's true. So especially back in the 80s, you know, we're not going to immediately jump to something nefarious has happened. Right. Now, when they did eventually call the police, the police did take it seriously. They started an investigation and deployed search parties to look for her. And like I said before, they did consider the idea that she could have been a runaway, but it really didn't take them long to say, you know, this is so abnormal for her. There's no way that this is a runaway situation unless something totally flipped in her brain. But this is not typical for her. She's not a runaway. Even if she did decide to leave, it doesn't seem like it would have been a sane decision. So regardless, they either want to find her and get her from whoever took her or get her some help if there's a a mental situation going on that caused her to want to run away from something. Yeah. And she left her stuff at her job. I would think if she was going to run away, she'd at least take that stuff. Right. Right. So... There were a few things that led to being able to rule out that runaway possibility. Number one, just being like I mentioned before, she absolutely adored her family. Her sister had recently had a stroke. She was a a young woman. I mean, it's not like there were 20 years between her and her sister. And so it was very strange to see a major stroke occur. Now, her sister was still living. She had some medical hoops to jump through, but she was making progress in gaining some abilities back. And, you know, that obviously gave her a little bit of stress, but it wasn't the type of stress that she wanted to run away from. It was the type of stress that she wanted to help with. And she was a huge part of helping her sister with recovery from the stroke. So there were some people that pointed fingers and said maybe she was too stressed from that, but it really doesn't line up with how she was approaching everything. So that was kind of debunked right away. She also had just gotten her senior portrait taken. So if you're going to run away, why would you get your picture taken? Of course, the counter argument to that is if you want to run away and make it look like you didn't run away, you're going to do things as normal and then go. But it it just doesn't make sense. She also had $100 in cash back at the house that she was saving for her class ring. And again, if you were going to run away, probably not going to buy the class ring, but you'd at least put away that $100 so that you have that cash if you're running away. Right. Especially because it was cash. Mm-hmm. So there was no sort of tracking to like a a check being written or a credit card or anything like that. Yep. So that definitely doesn't line up. She also, sorry, we also look at the idea that when she claimed she was going to the pharmacy to get medication, you know, as that kind of reason to leave work, she legitimately went to the pharmacy and got medication. Um, She didn't just say it and then sneak off behind the building and run away into a car that drove off into the night or, you know, anything like that. 
She also, like I said before, left her purse and cigarettes at work, which would just be weird if you're running away. And she had seen her brother and spoken to him, and he said nothing seemed off. She didn't seem nervous. She didn't seem, um, like, preoccupied with anything. Maybe a little bit spacey, just because sickness does that to you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really nothing that was off. And Kim said the same thing, and the um, clerk at the pharmacy said the same thing. So, you know, the three people that she interacted with before she vanished all said that she seemed to be acting very normal. Not that the clerk at the pharmacy would know very well what normal looked like for her, but still, you know, her brother and her best friend saying that she was acting normal, those are going to be pretty good people to ask that. I can't think of the word I want to use. Yeah, but I mean, even as like a pharmacy clerk, you'd probably notice if someone was acting like suspicious, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, under duress or anything like that. Very true. Very true. So it took less than a full week to determine that this was an abduction. And really, at that point, they did start throwing out the possibility that it was also a murder case. Her family to this day does still hold on to hope that she will be discovered alive. However, as early as one week after she went missing, they did begin to consider that if she was abducted versus just kind of running away or walking away from her life, that she may not be found alive. And that'd be hard to kind of grapple with that in your mind like i really want this person to come home alive but it's quite possible that if they were abducted there were sinister motives and we might not see her alive if we see her at all right which is just heartbreaking now investigators also discussed the idea that she likely was not abducted by a stranger because of the speed at which she vanished It was likely to be, according to what investigators were able to gather, somebody that she knew. Um, And we'll kind of talk about how that situation may have played out here in just a little bit when we talk about theories. But there were no reported altercations, verbal or physical. Um, There was nothing seen that would point to the idea of, like, forcing somebody into a car or... Anything like that. And then, like I said, with that red car that was seen, she was seen talking to someone, but she wasn't specifically seen getting into that vehicle. And they couldn't trace anything just by the description of red car because there's literally thousands of them. I have sort of a theory in my head. Do you want me to say it before you get into theories or do you want me to wait? I'm wondering. No, go for it. I'm wondering if she wasn't feeling well. So I'm wondering if while she's walking back from the pharmacy, she maybe like almost passes out or needs to sit down as and is like feeling super weak. And maybe it was a crime of opportunity for someone and they took that opportunity to take her in their vehicle or incapacitate her completely, something like that, because yeah. I would imagine if she were like completely healthy and someone she didn't know tried to take her, there would be screaming and there would be, you know, a right. struggle. But I'm wondering if she was, you know, she was it's possible. sick. Someone yeah. used that opportunity to take her. Yeah. And that 
actually didn't come up in any of the theories that I found online, but that's a really good point. One thing that did kind of come up is the idea that if someone lured her into the vehicle, it may have been like a, oh, you're carrying medicine. I see that, you know, you're coming out of the pharmacy. You've got a bag of meds. I know you work right over there. Let me just drive you across the parking lot. And even though it seems kind of weird, like, why would you take a ride across a parking lot? Mm -hmm. If it's a big parking lot and I'm not feeling great, and my friend comes up to me or someone that I know and recognize comes up to me and says, hey, let me give you a ride across there. I know you're not feeling great. Like maybe even someone she went to school with who would have known throughout the day that she just wasn't feeling hot. That's fair. You know, let me drive you across. And so I guess maybe kind of the combination of those things. Yeah. Could absolutely have been a situation that that occurred. But on that note, let's kind of segue a little bit into some of these theories. This first one is kind of really what plays off of what we were just talking about. This idea is that Shelly was tricked into the car by someone that she knows who may have claimed to have known of some sort of family emergency. Now, I mentioned earlier that Shelly's sister had had a stroke and that that greatly impacted Shelly. So it's possible that someone maybe came up to her and claimed her sister was having another medical emergency. Something was going downhill. Sister was going to the ER, doctor, whatever. And that they kind of used... Either her sickness or her love for her sister or a combination of the two to really get her into the vehicle quickly and get her to leave. But her friends and family pretty quickly disputed this just by saying she was so close to work that she would have asked whoever this was, can you just drive me over there so that I can get my stuff and then please take me back to the house and either she did and the person refused and that's where things went downhill or or that that's just not how it happened sure um but that definitely is a a possibility that makes sense to me yeah and i think so too um it's also possible though where this theory came from they admitted that it's unlikely i really don't think that this is super plausible but they say that it's possible she met someone in the pharmacy after she had checked out because the pharmacy clerk said that she was alone but maybe there was someone else there with her who wished ill on her and or ended up hurting her and the thought is that someone may have known the layout of the store well enough either they're an employee a regular customer or just someone who'd been in the store long enough to figure out the layout i mean ride aids are giant rectangles they're not difficult to figure out the layout sure. spend a little bit of time and you'll figure it out. But the thought is that this person was able to get her through the store and maybe out the back door before there was an altercation. And just with the layout of the plaza, it would really restrict the number of people that would hear or see an altercation behind the pharmacy because it's like a strip mall plaza sort of thing. So all the stores face the middle. And if you go out a back door... There's nobody there. Yeah, and there um, wasn't any, um, you know, security cameras, I'm sure. Or if there no. were for some reason, they would be probably very poor. They wouldn't so. be facing the back. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, ca I can see that, though. So 
The issue with that is that there are no confirmed sightings of her outside of the pharmacy after she purchased the cold meds. There is that one thought that her boss saw her with someone at a red car after. But again, that same sighting is kind of quoted a couple of different ways in articles. So still not 100 percent sure um, if that is correct, that he saw her after it totally invalidates this theory. Um, right. But because we can't be 100 percent sure, then eh, meh. that's kind of my reaction. I don't like it. Um, employees would see someone like you and I have worked enough retail to know in order to get out the back door of a building you have to go through at least two doors because you go to like the back area of the store and then the door that goes outside maybe this Rite Aid is different than any place I've ever worked but any retail job I've ever worked whether it was a mall a standalone store or a strip mall there were always multiple doors from the sales floor to Right. Like the back of the building. Um, and you'd think that an employee would see that happening. Yeah. So I, it this one just doesn't hit me as being very plausible, but it's out there as a theory. So um, I figure I'll, I'll throw it out here. There is also a thought that she did, in fact, make it back to work and that whatever happened happened in the appliance store. Um And this theory truly just comes from the idea that some people said there's no way she would have left her cigarettes even just to walk across the plaza to the pharmacy. Um, And I mentioned that earlier toward the beginning of the episode that, you know, she was a chain smoker. Her friend said she would take any opportunity to smoke a cigarette. So why not smoke one when you're walking outside from one store to another And the way this is written up, um, it seems like it was kind of like one corner to the other corner. So a decent walk. We're not talking like next door to each other. So enough time to smoke a cigarette. And they think that she would have taken her cigarettes with her when she walked over. But of course, because her cigarettes were at the store... They're thinking like, oh, she must have taken the cigarettes to the pharmacy, come back, dropped her cigarettes off, and then something happened. However, her brother didn't say that she was smoking at all. He also didn't say she wasn't, but he didn't say she was. And there were no sign of the cold meds at the store, like with her purse. So she just bought a box or a bottle of cold meds and then dropped her cigarettes off, but kept carrying the cold meds with her like that doesn't make sense what if she just took one cigarette what, like i understand she's a chain smoker but what if she right. just took one to walk to the pharmacy because she knew that's all she would have time for right and like a chain smoker doesn't mean you're smoking five of them at a time yeah like you know i grew up my best friend growing up her mom was a chain smoker when we were kids and it's not like she put seven cigarettes in her mouth at one time yeah but like, right. I mean, she would walk around with one cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to carry the pack to smoke one. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, too. There was also no sign of a struggle in the store itself. So it just doesn't lead me to think that she made it back to the store at all. The only thing that raised my eyebrow was 
her boss being the only one that mentioned the red car. That's correct, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know anything else about her boss. I just, that's just right. hmm, hmm, interesting. And, and then when you said she may have made it back to the store, that was a theory. That's just kind of where my head went. Yeah. They also don't say if there was a lighter or matches anywhere. Um, so, like, if she did just take one cigarette, she would have taken whatever incendiary device she was using to light it yeah. with her because you're not going to light it up in the store. You're going to wait till you're outside. Definitely. Um, that doesn't mean that there weren't things just in her purse. Like, it's quite possible that's just part of what was in her purse. I couldn't find a comprehensive list of everything. Um, well, could she so, have lit it up inside? I mean, could you... You could smoke, certainly, in restaurants at that time and places like that. I'm wondering if she could have lit it up Maybe, in there. Um, I, I don't know that store owners, especially because this was like a mom and pop shop, mm -hmm. I don't know that they would have encouraged smoking indoors with like brand new products in the store. Sure. Yeah. So... Uh, especially like appliances because those are high ticket items mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it's it's possible i really have no frame of reference for <laughs> whether she took a cigarette with her what she had to light it where she would have lit it if right. she even did um it's also possible that she was just feeling winded and crappy and everything from being sick that maybe she just chose not to smoke a cigarette on her walk over um, I mean, she had been seen smoking earlier in the day, but I mean, it's it's possible that she just didn't have the lung capacity at that point. Sure. Which sounds kind of silly, but also makes sense. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm not positive on on what I think of that theory. I don't think it has a whole lot of merit to it, but there are some interesting points that get raised from it um the next theory and this is the last one that i found in the book and i've mentioned this book before it's um missing in pennsylvania it's the book that i used for a lot of the details for the um cherry mayhan case um and that i've referenced a couple other times these first four theories all came from that book so this is the last one from that chapter um this theory blamed her bosses and said that she likely didn't make it back to the store. So allegedly there were questionable business dealings going on and somehow Shelly knew about them. The thought is that her bosses decided to eliminate her potential to tell anybody. Um, and the way to eliminate that potential was just by killing her or at least abducting her. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's no proof that anyone saw her going anywhere with anyone first of all but also there's no proof that there were any shady business dealings going on whatsoever um the claim that came from this theory in the book was that there were certain items marked down that were then ringing up for full price and <sighs> so the thought was that the business owners were putting sale tickets on things and then charging full price which first of all if that happens a customer is going to call you out like if i'm buying a refrigerator and it's 
a thousand dollar refrigerator marked 70 percent off and you charge me a thousand dollars i'm gonna be like no that should be 300 right no so i'm gonna call you out on a large thing like that first of all and secondly there was no proof ever found that this was actually happening plus that could just miss like it could just be a mistake it It does happen (laughs) right so I don't know. The thought was maybe she overheard a conversation with details that she shouldn't have heard, um, that she found documentation of something that she shouldn't have seen. However, Kim, the friend that also worked there, said they had access to all of the same things. It was rare that the two of them were not working side by side at the same time. I don't know how else you would work side by side other than at the same time, (laughs) whatever. Um, But Kim had no clue. Like when police went to her or whoever went to her and was like, hey, have you heard blah, blah, blah. We think that this might be part of Kim was like, uh, no. Also, I'm pretty sure that has never happened in the store. So it doesn't really seem to pan out. It it feels like. A lot of these are the internet sleuth type of before internet sleuthing was a thing. I was going to say it sounds very generic, like you don't know too much other info, like kind of like my theory of like maybe she didn't feel well and someone took advantage. Like it's just like an idea that I have and it just kind of sounds generic like that. Well, and the other thing is if a boss was involved, so there were two people that owned the business. And the thought is that it was the one that wasn't working that day or, you know, that they purposely orchestrated who would work and who wouldn't. And, you know, it goes pretty deep into some very interesting turns that could have happened. But if that's the case, you would assume then that the person who abducted her would be the one in the red car. So why would the owner out the other owner? Like, why would her boss out his business partner Maybe if they were getting rid of her for purposes that would save the business? Like, Maybe there wasn't a red car. Maybe the other uh, person drove red like... red herring. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to say that, but I was like, don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Maybe the other boss right. drove a blue car and the other right. one was trying to throw police off. That's true, too. That's true. So... Anyway, that doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense to me, but it was a theory that was enough to be printed in the book. So I figured I'd throw it in there. Sure. Now, there are two other theories that I found related to other cases, and I found both of these online. So this first thing that I found online, this first theory that I found online was the idea that maybe she was connected to a missing woman from the same year named Christine Gunther. Christine was abducted from a bus stop while on the way to a doctor's appointment, and then her body was discovered five days later. Her murder is still unsolved. I'm not going to go into too many details here because I am going to write that up for another episode as long as I can find enough sources for it. If I can't find enough sources for a full episode, we will edit the blog post for this episode with information about Christine. But I have been able to find some information as long as I can find at least a few more sources. We'll be able to make a full episode out of it. Um, But... 
I do want to make sure that each victim gets their own kind of episode like we try to do. Um, but there are definitely a lot of similarities. They both were missing in plain sight from public places. They were both teenagers in the Pittsburgh area. Um, my friend Shelly, not Shelly in the case, but the friend I mentioned earlier said that the area where Christine went missing from was about 45 minutes away from Seneca Valley High School, which, if you remember, is the high school that Shelly went to. Shelly in the case, not Shelly, my friend. This is very confusing. <laughs> Christine Gunther, her story sounds very familiar. I may have mentioned her in connection with a case that I did. So we'll have to I look thought, into that. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Her name was definitely familiar. Um I know we haven't covered her case. Right. But yeah. it was it was one of those cases that um or sorry, it was one of those theories that just kind of popped up as I was going through some like web sleuths and Reddit pages for like a little bit of extra info literally right before we hopped on to record. So um, I didn't investigate her too far other than the fact that I found at least three or four websites that had some information on her that I'm going to dive into a little bit later. Um, so they they are considering that there may be a link between the two of them. Um, but at this time, there are no named persons of interest for either. So they may be connected. Um, I am going to try to write that up so that we can have that episode to you guys um, pretty quickly, just so that it, this one is fresh in our minds as well. And then, you know, we might have a little bit more of a discussion about the similarities and kind of where we think they fall together or if they're completely unrelated. But that is another option there, um, just, again, because of them being the same year, same area. Um, Christine's abduction was in October, I believe. So it was literally, I think, exactly a month after. It was October 21st or 22nd, if my memory is serving me correctly. Wow. So just a lot of similar pieces that are a little bit sketchy. Um, so we'll talk about that connection whenever we cover that case, hopefully in just a couple weeks. Now, there's also this connection to Penny Doe that I had mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast. So um, there was a post on Web Sleuths from user Chatty Lex from May 14th, 2021. So over a year ago. And they called out our podcast in a good way, which, <laughs> like, thank you, Chatty Lex. That makes me very happy. But this is where I was reminded that, oh, we did talk about this person before, which is why her name was so familiar to me. Um, and it was actually Amanda who mentioned when we were talking about the Penny Doe case that it's possible that it could have been Michelle. Now, they were nine years apart. Michelle went missing in 81 and Penny Doe was discovered in 1990. So they were, you know, pretty far spaced apart. But we did speculate at that point that maybe she was held captive for a while before being killed and then that her body was dumped there. Um, now, Chatty Lex also did point out, and I believe that when Amanda made this comment in that episode, she said the same thing. Penny Doe and Michelle have not 
been confirmed as one another, but have also not been ruled out as one another. Um, and I believe there was DNA from the Penny Doe case, correct? I believe so. Because I'm pretty sure so. there's a list of like who they've who's been ruled, ruled out. out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's quite possible that this DNA is on a list to be tested. You know, Clarion County and Butler County are pretty close together, but also the nine year time difference really throws me off there. Yeah. Yep. It seems fairly far fetched. Um, and Penny Doe was also estimated to be 4'10 and Michelle is 5'4. So a six inch difference. I don't know. That's significant. It, you know, that's not just like an old person that shrinks a couple inches over, right? You know, some years or anything like that. Um, so I don't know. I'd love to see the DNA be run for Penny Doe. Um, so unless Namus just never put them on the exclusion list, I guess it's still a possibility. And we know that that um, testing is expensive and, and backlogged. backlogged. And, so, yeah. you know, maybe it just has, hasn't been done yet. Right. So that's the other theory that's floating around. Um, now, I do want to point out here, they did investigate one person who was a person of interest. His name is David Neal. And normally I do not call out people who are investigated as persons of interest and then um kind of let go but he's a scumbag in a different way so we'll talk about him um he was convicted of murdering a trans person they did not specify man or woman um in fact they the website that i found this on was uh, referred to the victim as a transvestite which is i know a very out of date term at this point um so they did not say transgender so i don't know if that means they were actually transgender or you know transvestite was used for any man that put on a dress you know like a drag right. queen was a transvestite when that's no just not a thing so i'm not 100 percent sure i could not in the quick time that i ended up finding his name i didn't see whether it was a transgender male or female or non-binary or I have no clue. But anyway, they murdered someone. So uh, David Neal, regardless of whether or not he was involved in this case, was still a murderer who killed a trans person in Pittsburgh. He was considered, like I said, for Shelley's case. Her mom said there really was zero connection. There was nothing that would have tied them together. I believe the murder he committed was an emotional murder. I think it was anger. Um, like he Gay had been panic? flirting with this person. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 80s. So, um, well, 70s, because he was already convicted by this time. Um, but eventually police did drop him as a person of interest, and um, they don't think he is connected at all with this. However, he did still kill somebody else, so I will fully out his name. Really, the last piece of information I have here is that the Butler County DA says that there are some persons of interest, but obviously they're not publicizing the names um, just because... 
you know, if you've got seven persons of interest, they did not all do it. So sure. Yep. You know, we don't want to want to rake their names through the mud. Um, if you do have any information on Michelle's whereabouts or anything within the case, um, you are asked to contact either PSP and Butler at 724-284-8100 or the Zelianople Police Department at 724-452-3003. And everything is anonymous. Um, from Crime Watch PA's website, we do have the information. Her full name is Michelle Reidenbach. She was born December 29th, 1964. She was 16 when she disappeared. She was a white female with a small build, five foot two inches. Um, I know the other source said five foot four inches. So somewhere in that, you know, between five foot and five six. Uh, she was about 110 pounds, had dark blonde hair, blue eyes, and wears glasses. She was last seen wearing blue jeans and a wine-colored V-neck sweater. Um, this does sh- <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> this does say she had a gold necklace with a knot pendant on, um, but I did also find information in one of the sources that she had actually loaned her necklace with the pendant to a friend who was getting her senior portrait done that evening. Um, So she may or may not have had that pendant with her. Um, Anyone that has information, if you do not want to contact PSP or the Zelianople Police Department, you can, of course, as always, contact PA Crime Stoppers toll-free at 1-800-4PA-TIPS or online at a longer website that I'm not going to read out, but it'll be linked in the blog. Always. Or just the PA Tips website and you, or the Crime Watch PA website under the tips tab that they have. Um, there is a possible cash reward for information that leads to an arrest or solving of the case. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Sarah. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.